Well, see, I think the weird thing about the Desert Island songs is that the top five would not be what I would list as my top five favorite songs. They would be like bubblegum pop that I can hear a thousand times, enjoy, huh. maybe not love, maybe not appreciate for the artistry, but can listen to them on repeat for the rest of my life, those five songs. So I'd put like fucking Spice Girls up there, you know, as a song of like, yeah, I could listen to this scene. If you want to be my lover. I could listen to that a thousand times. It's when I like the song, but I wouldn't like kill myself listening to it a thousand times. Podcast, your one-stop shop for beer news, reviews, and all things brews. I am your host, the man who believes that more is always merrier, especially when its voice is in your head, Rob Fisher. <laughs> With me, as always, is the man who thinks a salty barnyard twang is a complimentary description of a beer, Mike Albright. And of course, the man whose audio magic can turn an evil demon growling in your fridge into a Broadway star, the man far, far too handsome for needlepoint, Jesse Clark. <laughs> Today is February 27th, 2015, and we're recording episode 49, Worst Margarita Ever. For more information on any of the segments from today's show, visit our website at www.blindtigerpodcast.com. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or subscribe to the show on iTunes. And for those of you who enjoyed listening to podcasts via Stitcher, we are now there as well. We provide near-daily news, reviews, and just about anything involving brews. Don't miss out and subscribe today. So Jesse is our resident expert on unofficial national holidays. He informed us that March 5th, 2015 is Multiple Personality Day. Hooray! Oh. And while Mike and I were skeptical, it appears that all of Jesse's many personalities are in agreement that this is indeed an officially unofficial holiday. It is in the spirit of having more than one person living in your brain that this week's opening question is, is... If you could invest the next beer combination, like a black and tan, what would it be and why? So, let's start with Mike. All right. So, for multiple personality day, I'm going to have multiple answers. Uh, <laughs> my first one is, how about a scotch and soda? So, you just take your uh, favorite Scottish ale and you mix in a soda of your choice. Be it Coke, Pepsi, or Royal Crown? I don't know. Mm. Yeah, why not? Or, uh, how about the triple toe loop? It's a uh, Belgian triple mixed with cream. Yeah, why not cream? Any cream, really. Sour cream, creme fraiche, cream of tartare the hell is that for anyway you know Mike. fish sandwich. <laughs> yeah. this is disgusting <laughs> fish sandwich. No, that, that's tartar sauce that's completely different oh cream of tartar uh, yeah. um, oh, that's, that's a, right Good it's point. like arrowroot i think it's a thickening agent yeah let's go with that the, everybody wants a, a thick belgian for your multiple person i think you need some lithium right yeah, now exactly. <laughs> something to something even me out yeah uh, well, we did just celebrate uh kurt cobain's what birthday was that the other day? Was it? There was several. Oh, was it the release of ninety of Nevermind? Was it something? Oh, like that? that's right. Or no? Um, was it? No, because Nevermind was ninety four. No, ninety one. Well, maybe I don't know. Was it? It's, I don't know. Was it a year? We got ninety one. Ninety one was a big year in music. I think it was Nevermind. No, I think it was his birthday, but it was like his torn. You know, would have been his thirty fifth or something. There's lots of birthdays and deaths. Kurt Donald Cobain was born February twentieth, nineteen sixty seven. There it is. Yeah. Okay. So they're playing a lot of Nirvana. Then it was George Harrison's would have been birthday, and then so they're playing a lot of the Beatles and and Harrison too. So that's why that's why it's been on my mind. Sorry. <clears throat> or uh, actually, I like this one. It's a uh, the five point palm exploding heart technique. It's basically where you mix a barley wine with a, a Russian imperial stout. After you drink one, you take five steps and then you fall over. <laughs> 
Yep, that's the winner. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aw. So, uh, Jesse, what did well, you come up I'll with? I'll first talk about the one that went wrong. Um, I was with my brother, and I tried... Um, I, I usually do like Allagash's, um, they're Belgians, but they had a Belgian stout. And I bought one, and I was like, let's try this, brother. And it was weird. It just, like, it wasn't... I remember t- tasting it, and... I, oh, I think... There's a stout. I remember thinking, but no, it, the flavor goes away, and you're like, "Oh, is that the Belgian now?" No, no, no. They're like the, none of the. It's not that the flavors are competing. They just none of them developed. I think it was like uh-huh. they canceled each other out. I thought it was a neat thing to try to do something like that. Anyway, um, so what I wanted to do was a sweet and sour. I was going to go with something like a Belgian and something like um, some kind of cider. I think something kind of soury, like an apple type thing, and then something sweet, like a Belgian-y type banana, mm-hmm. or something like yeah. that. And so I was thinking, was thinking work. back to my childhood with those sweet and sour candies, and maybe I would relive, I don't know, you know, rosebud sled. I don't know. Sounds good enough to me. That's all I got. I can't beat you, Mike. That was... Well, not for yeah. humor value, anyway. Oh, mine would probably be like that Belgian stout. Like, it's, you know, when you mix you know red with purple, you get brown or something. <laughs> something <laughs> two two nice colors don't, don't, don't make a third nice color. This is true. So, uh, for me, my answer is not actually that novel, considering it was taught to me, and I've been hyping it amongst friends and drinking buddies for quite a while now. Yet, I don't think it has national fame in the same way that perhaps a snake bite or a black and tan might have. So I'm comfortable putting this out into the world as a new-ish creation for everyone to enjoy. So I'm offering the Craft Beer Gods uh, the Bleeding Apple, as it's called. And this is the perfect end to a night of drinking brutally heavy and hoppy double IPAs. Uh, It is half super sweet fruity lambic. uh, Lindemann's Frambois is a favorite. And half sweet American cider. This will immediately satisfy that nasty sweet tooth that seems to come creeping into my mind after a few beers, slows the intake of alcohol by being uh, highly sessionable, and completely cleans the palate of any intense malty or bitter flavors. A few sips of this can kick up your energy, over the sugar high, while winding down your drinking experience. Sure, it might not win you favor with the false machismo of manly craft beer drinkers, but I can guarantee you it's the perfect end to a night of drinking. Hmm. This sounds like a nice dessert. Yeah, the combinations that you were... You've been telling that for a while. Just as long as I've been telling, I don't know, chocolate and salsa. Have yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you been touting salsa? Like you've been doing the opposite of touting. I don't know what touting means exactly, but I feel like it's the opposite of what, what you want to use there. Uh, so, yeah, let's move on to a little uh, beer news. Beer news. And we're going to s- jump... Straight into uh, national news, and 311, the band, is getting their own craft beer. So this will be exciting news to one uh, JJ Gamash, <laughs> I think the only espoused public <laughs> 311 fan that I know. But in a move to stay relevant, the uh, organization itself is attempting, the band itself is attempting to make a its own beer. They're a very own craft beer. Um, and uh, this shows how much I know about 311. Uh, it, the article said, and guess what style they're starting with? Amber, of course. Hmm. So I'm going to assume that Amber is a name of a song that they sing or something. I'm, I don't know. I'm very ignorant of the 311 world. but uh, Good question, yeah. <laughs> Um, so the Omaha band has teamed up with Rock Brothers in Tampa, Florida, and Nebraska Brewing in Papillon, Nebraska. Um, well, so they confirmed this while on their 311 cruise through the Caribbean. So they're also going to be apparently bringing in Cigar City from Tampa, a partner of Rock Brothers. So it's going to be a very, very, uh, looks like a collab project to create this Amber Ale for them. Um, they're hoping to debut it. Um, 
at the two-night stand in Las Vegas on July 3rd and 4th. So while celebrating the birth of our nation, you can also celebrate the world's weirdest idea for craft beer, um, one based on a band. Like, And it's not even that it's like based on the band. It's actually for the band, which is really weird. So this isn't going to be like Cigar City's putting out the 311 beer this is 311 themselves having a beer that is theirs that is you know contract brewed by someone else huh interesting so it's like part of their merchandising that would be a fun beer versus beer what what be, what bands would have what beer yeah. and it would be like would you go over like alice cooper poison beer or yeah. something there how like... is the how is the grateful dead not jumped on this already <laughs> you know? yeah, right. How about, how deaths, about, maybe. <laughs> yeah. how about that hansen beer what do they make mm hops oh yeah yeah <laughs> right mm-hops. exactly so yeah, that's weird. Um, I guess if I cared about uh, three eleven, I almost I said nine eleven. That would be kind of bad. I do care about nine eleven. We have never forgotten. <laughs> I do not particularly care for three eleven's music. Uh, uh, you know, they're not terrible, but they're not uh, exciting to me. So, um, well, what's one? What song do they do? I, they do that. Uh, uh, they have a couple of hits. Down. Down, down, down. I don't know what the hell you're saying in that song. So yeah, yeah, clearly we're all giant 311 fans that are super excited about the release of their Amber Ale come July. I'll go to YouTube and play play one of their songs. All right. Well, I'm going to move on to the next news article we have, which is Stone Pale Ale is Dead. Long live Stone Pale Ale 2.0. So apparently the very uh, uppity brewers at Stone have decided that they are sick and tired of Stone Pale Ale, which is their uh, their beautiful one of their beautiful flagship beers. Uh, you know, has mass market appeal. It's been huge for forever. It comes uh, in their typical bottle with a nice red label. Um, but apparently, they've decided to uh, totally revamp uh, the entire beer from the ground up to release uh, Stone Pale Ale 2.0. Mm. So, granted, it's not really going to be uh, a huge difference. Um, there will be obviously a difference in taste. They are to do it uh, differently but since this is like one of the beers that built stone into what it is today it's interesting that they are uh changing things over and basically reformulating it my my nervousness is that this is going to be a new coke disaster much like uh, coca-cola did back um in the 90s i'm worried that this might be the new trend in like craft beer like brands have been around for a while that maybe people have like sort of slacked off on because it's you know it's okay it's not bad that all these breweries are going to be like, well, now we have new Boston lager. Well, yeah. I mean, there's obviously there will be a rush probably when 2.0 comes out. Yeah, to, definitely. For people who maybe don't drink uh, Stone Pale Ale very often. Oh, it's different. Let's try it again. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So we'll see how that goes. Um, I mean, ideally, this would be a, a way for them to perhaps modernize uh, the beer to be more what they would want, uh, considering they obviously originated the recipe years and years ago. But there are also f- uh, fabulous beers out there that I wouldn't want mucked with that have had been around, Ooh, like no, definitely. Sierra Nevada Pale Ale, uh, Bell's Two Hearted. These yeah. are beers that have been around. And that have... would be a new Coke disaster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like don't don't mess with what's great, you know. So it'll be interesting. Um, so yeah, they decided in 2014 that they want to change things up, and uh, so ideally, sometime around the early 2015, um, or that would be right now, right? Yep. So yes, uh, <laughs> at some point this year they will be releasing it. So. Um, which is crazy because the first time it came out was in June 1997. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's an old beer. It's been around for a while. Is this coming across? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. See, now you understand why I have no idea what he's saying. This is bad rap rock. Yeah, it's kind of like that Sublime 311, those sort of like reggae ish. 
rap rock Where's the bands. reggae part? Wait, don't we get 30 seconds before we get sued? <laughs> no, if this is for educational purposes, and yeah. I'm, t- I'm instructing you that this is crap music. <laughs> <laughs> I do recall this. Dun, 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 dun. So what, do we have three pitches in that melody? Yeah. <laughs> well, that was a more rocky one. The, the other one was... Um, where the hell is it? Other bands that did uh, rock rap better, uh, like Rage Against the Machine, maybe? Um Maybe. No, they definitely did it. Yeah, yeah, that was... <laughs> no maybe about it. There was no maybe about that, yeah. I love Rage. This is their song, Amber. Oh, okay. Well, there we go. The references come together. Let's try to see how it relates to beer. Oh, uh, this song, yeah. It's a horrible snare sound. Oh, there's the reggae oh, feel. Oh, that song. Whoa. Lead flashbacks. singer looks a lot like Sugar Ray. Maybe it was Sugar Ray. <laughs> I can see why JJ likes it. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I was not a fan then. I am not a fan now. So, so speaking of shit, let's move yeah, on to our next segment. Slumming it. Steel reserve. Can we go back to 311? (laughs) (laughs) So, Mike, why don't you tell us what we have up for us today? Well, I've assaulted your ears. Let me assault your taste buds. So, I found this at a um, local beer store that maybe doesn't quite cater to the beer snobs like us. they have a wide variety of interesting things that I don't normally see at like places like the fridge. Uh, and one of the things that they had that reminded me of my early college days was Steel Reserve. But it's not just any Steel Reserve. It's apparently a very fancy, a very classy Steel Reserve. <laughs> so you might be used to Steel Reserve in like the, the steel, like kind of aluminum, just blank can. It's a malt liquor. It's, it's, they called it high gravity, which back in the day meant like it was like 6% instead of like the 5 or 4 that Bud Light was. And it's just a very like malt forward kind of disgusting beer, but it gets you kind of messed up and it's still fairly cheap. Well, this is Steel Reserve Triple Export. And let me just read from the can, if I may. It is slow brewed, whatever that means, in limited batches, <laughs> limited, using only the finest malted barley and selected hops. Again, what the fuck does that mean? Selected <laughs> hops. We, we believe we believe this to be among the very best beers in the world. That's you know, quite bravado. They believe. They noticed how they didn't have anyone else cite information that they believe. It looks like the font with the red looks like a horror movie, right? It looks like a board It does, actually. It looks like, yeah, something like Wes Craven would come up with, the new horror movie. Well, this is a horror for beer. This isn't slumming it. This is like, you're going to murder us in our sleep beer. If I actually saw someone like drinking that at at like a, a bottle shop or something, I actually would instantly think that it is a pounder of some sort of nice, craft beer because the, the packaging is just gorgeous <laughs> it really is you don't usually see the the 24 fluid ounces come in nice craft beer no, usually no. It's the, but uh, it's 8.1 percent alcohol volume Ooh. and for it's slow brewed for exceptionally smooth flavor and anytime you see the word smooth on a beer can that means it's garbage so <laughs> let's, let's try it <laughs> it's also triple export I don't they, know what that they, means. I, yeah, exactly. What, uh, it's like they they import the it, bar- then they export it, then they, they import, import it again. again. Yeah. <laughs> they just keep shipping it back out. It comes back <laughs> like, oh, them. triple exported because no other country <laughs> wanted it. They just Way like, to- well, ship it to Mexico. Mexico <laughs> doesn't want it came back. They ship it to France. Then sh- France didn't want it, so they shipped it somewhere else. And then Mike decided to buy it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Mike. Because <laughs> we enjoyed torturing Jesse. Oh, that... May eighteenth, twenty fifteen. I don't know what that means. Probably since it's not. Yeah, since it's not. Well, Jesus, that's not a long shelf. How long has this been sitting at? 
the place I bought it from. It's a hot item. Yeah, give him a lot. Well, this has always been large, the... frothy glass. <laughs> I mean, I know that craft beer isn't exactly like pennies cheap, but you know, if you want to get shit faced on malt liquor, like yeah. this is only eight percent. Like, there's barley wines. I mean, and shit out there that'll get you totally wrecked for. It's got a pretty color. It's got a typical. Ugh. Corn adjunct lager, like fizzy white head, but oh, it's got smell. a nice, very nice golden color, and its smell is That's awful. It's <laughs> it smells like sweet corn water. Yeah, it does. This is this I mean, is yeah, it's like cream corn. It's a little whiny, a little like white grapeish, maybe. I noticed I got the lion's share of this, by the way. Yeah. Oh, there's well, plenty more where that came from. <laughs> I can. It's not that bad. Mm. No, it's <laughs> really, really sweet. Yeah, I don't know. I just wow. Initially, I was like, oh, and then I was like, ooh, it went down aftertaste. Yeah. It does. It still has like that white grapeish kind of white wine. I was expecting worse. Yeah, sweetness. I was expecting to it. a lot worse, like something that like. But this, I mean, it's bad. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying it's not like I was gonna gouge my eyes out or something. But yeah. But where where are the hops? Where are these selected hops? <laughs> oh, we got we got a couple hops floating in the beer. <laughs> Select them out. We pick them out. We need to we need to get rid of them. Yeah. Now. Mm. Yeah, you're right. It is almost like a a white grape flavor yeah, in a beer. Apple juicy kind yeah. of. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this is almost, this is more like a, a white wine is, is flavoring. A, is this a triple toe loop? <laughs> Did they make my beer? No, I'm not like immediately revol- you know like gagging from gross, um, like I would from a Bud Light, which instantly makes me nauseous. No. But um, it actually does have like a, like a hard ciderish taste. Yeah, that's that's what I think the final my final vote well, the is. Second sip wasn't as bad. I think there was a shock of that first sip kind of. Going for me. Very. We we started out with some uh, oh God, yeah. hot freshener series, dank and sticky, and we went to this <laughs> as the next taste. And it was quite a shock to the system. Like you know, uh, hopping from a hot shower into a cold pool. It just, you know, so it's more shocking like, than it would actually, be. Actually, yeah, my stomach feels a little weird. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, it's gonna mess with you actually. <laughs> <laughs> so is this the first slum in it where I haven't like totally like <laughs> made you hate me? <laughs> no. I mean, no, I, you still hate me. All right, that's okay. <laughs> only mildly. Yeah. I I feel like this is sort of a thing where um, it would be a great example to be like, drink this, mm-hmm. and now drink PBR, and realize that PBR is cheap, mm. but it is not bad, <laughs> and like there's a distinction there. Yeah, you know, it's uh, PBR is very light. It's you know, light in color, light in mouthfeel, light in alcohol content, light in flavor even, but it's not bad. And I feel like that's a big distinction. You can make a light, sessionable... You can make something very equivalent to a Bud Light, but not have it suck. And uh, PBR does that extremely well. Mm. And a lot of the sessional beers that some of the craft beer brewers are coming out with can compete on that framework of maybe not being quite as, as cheap because they're not brewed in scale, but are in the same vein that aren't terrible. No. And so you know, this, I, I look at it and go, it's not the worst thing in the world, but there's so many other cheaper beers that i would prefer over definitely this. i mean i would find it hard to get through 24 fluid ounces of this if i wasn't oh, bonging it um i mean and to go out, go out and say this is among the very best beers in the world i, I mean come on well you, you, gotta, have sales. To, you yeah, gotta I mean, say that on your bottle <laughs> if, if, if you're at that i mean that's the sort of the the, the like, i really truly it's it's interesting to me to think that um, like my like I always say, my grandfather drinks Molson. I can drink Molson all day. You know, it's it's a sure. it's a good beer. You know, I, it's there's nothing wrong with it. And it's mass produced. Um, you know, uh, I'm fine with that Labatt. Same way. You know, it's maybe not my favorite, but the first party I ever threw at my the house that I actually own, Keg Labatt, man. Keg Labatt, nice. Keg Labatt, and uh, yeah, totally enjoyed it. It was perfectly fine. So you can do cheaper beer well. It's just 
For whatever reason, AB InBev does not care to do it. Or who does it do Steel Reserve? Are they owned by AB InBev? Uh, they're owned by somebody. It says Steel Reserve Brewing Company, but I think they're a Miller Coors product. Okay, check. well, you know, off the chain eventually. It's all crap. But, um, yeah, this, I mean, the smell is just a tro- I can't just imagine sitting there, like, eating pretzels, watching a football game, drinking this all day. You know, like, Actually, just- this does make me want pretzels. Do you have any pretzels? Yeah. Ooh, I could use some pretzels. Not to get, not to get off track, but. That's actually what like these beers are made for. Like, just they actually need something salty. Yeah, which is maybe that's what. I mean, a I bit of to... foreshadowing. Just gonna hit that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because it's sort of. I'm sort of thinking. Uh, you know, that's why they have salted peanuts, so that you drink a beer that makes you want something salty. Then you eat the salt, which makes you like thirstier, which makes you want the beer, which Thank then you. so on and so forth. It's a it's a hate cycle on your uh, yeah, your, your wallet and your <sighs> liver. But let's move on from a topic about shit onto. A... <laughs> Onto a topic about bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) With Point Counterpoint, the Death of Craft Beer Edition. So Jeff Kuhn is a writer for Thrillist, the online magazine dedicated to all things food, drink, and travel-related. Thrillist has been big with the craft beer revolution, and they're usually pretty supportive of the explosive growth of craft beer in America. It seems like every other week I see something about how like the top beer bars or the top beer styles or here's the top beers by state, something that's related to beer coming out of the Thrillist. Yet Mr. Kiohane recently sparked the internet aflame after an extremely controversial post entitled Craft's Beer Dead and... Um, Goza killed it, which of course uh, sparked a debate. So I'm going to go and, and break you, bring you guys out the money quote. It's pretty money, big. Money quote. Money. You'll have to deal with it. But the, the whole post is actually pretty short to read. But this is the um, basically um, Joe went to a bar and had his first uh, Goza and did not enjoy it. So here's what his sort of uh, summation of his article was. I have never begrudged anyone their beer taste. I don't love the palate-scorching high IBU IPAs, but I'll drink them on occasion, and I understand why hopheads love them. Same with Lambics. Not my thing. A little... Trechley? Trechley? Trechley. It's that British dessert thing. But I can see the appeal. But this is the first time I've been completely unconvinced by people's enthusiasm for a kind of beer. And what the rise of Goza says, at least to me, is that the craft beer revolution has run out of ideas. We're 20 or 25 years into the golden age of beer. If Goza was worthy of so much excitement and attention from America's world-class brewers and drinkers, we simply would have gotten to it by now. But it's not. And we didn't. And the reason we're getting into it now has to do with the fanboy ethos that dominates the world of beer geeks. Like any area of obsessive enthusiasm, novelty becomes more and more tightly equated with value, prized above nearly everything else. The more mainstream types begin to take an interest in craft beer, the more cognoscenti are forced to seek out weirder, more challenging, more distasteful fare to retain their credentials and slack their curiosity. End quote. Slake. Slake. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry, I'm reading over your shoulder. No, it's fine. It's hard like, oftentimes to be trying to put the sentence together as you go, um, reading other people's quotes. But uh, since it's not definitely not my writing style. But, uh, yeah, basically this dude went into a beer bar. He had himself, uh, uh, you know, goes there for the first time and said, yep. this is shit. And therefore, crap beer is dead. So because someone tried something he didn't like. He tried something he didn't like. No. Well, well so, someone dead. made a beer that crafted a beer that he didn't like. Therefore, craft beer is dead. Yes, exactly. So let's look at any other type of, I don't know, art form. <laughs> that just doesn't hold. 
Exactly. That was going to be my <laughs> metaphor. Um, well, I mean, I there is some truth to the language of what she is saying, but I do feel like um, with any art form, there is sort of um, a danger between requiring an expertise to appreciate, like an accessibility. Uh-huh. So like there is cer- certain art that you can go into, like, and Jesse, you could probably speak volumes So rap rock. This. Well, yeah, exactly. I was gonna say, <laughs> there's the top 40, which a lot of it is immediately accessible. You get like that... And you can dance to it. You get all emotional about it. The lyrics are happy or sad or whatever. And you're totally like, boom, I get it. You don't need a history of music degree in order to appreciate it. But I'm sure there are is avant-garde shit way out of the norm that um, people who understand all of the history of music and perhaps have a ton of music theory will appreciate and say those who don't understand it or appreciate it don't appreciate it because they don't get it. And that that's you have to like basically earn through knowledge and appreciation of a mastery of the art form. Huh. Is that like a fair assessment for higher level stuff? You know, I I, I don't necessarily. I mean, there's there's a what's what's really cool. I mean, with with music, there is a, there is there is a lot of neat things that go on where it's kind of behind the scenes. Where it's not behind the scenes. It's kind of like you're gonna listen to the music, and an average person will 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 get it and they'll get what's on the surface and they'll enjoy what's on the surface but it's actually what's below the surface is what's really cool where they're doing like my mom will like the rite of spring she likes it she has no idea what, like any of the intricacies of what's going on there of the timing and the, what's what he's doing with his, his tonal language or atonal language but um so there is i mean for some styles of music i'm sure that's 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 correct i mean for, for certain that's correct but then there's other styles where it's kind of like the, the art is about making it palatable to the average person but at the same time making it palatable to the person who's not average you know who is knowledgeable um i don't know this is hard well i feel like um another great metaphor is is modern art um Mm -hmm. in in general like actual Mm -hmm. art uh, like painting and such um and that there's a lot of discussion of the fact that you walk into a modern art museum and there are true undeniable masters like Dali or Van Gogh where you don't have to be an expert to see how amazing Van Gogh was as a painter. But then you get some of the masters who were um, reactionary to movements at the time. And so you have stuff where you go in and be like, oh, well, it's just a bunch of color on it. Like, it's just a bunch of different reds on a canvas. Like, my fucking five-year-old could do Are you that. looking at my Pollock behind me? I, <laughs> that is an example of which people would criticize going, like, it's just a bunch of fucking splattered paint. Who gives oh, a shit? Until they noticed recently that there was behind the painting, they noticed that he actually had a grid where he was coming up with, like, he had a method before he was, he wasn't just randomly throwing paint down. He actually had form behind that of what he was and working that's with. that's sort of my point, is that if you uh, become uh, more knowledgeable of both the context in which the art was created and the process in which the uh, painter painted, you realize that even though it appears as though it could be done by a novice, it actually is much harder than it appears. Yeah. And there's actually like a whole new world uh, that I've been um, diving into uh, that's sort of in the same vein where um, speed running video games is becoming somewhat popular. Speed running video games. You yes. play them as fast as humanly possible. Yep. So you want to beat it as quickly as possible in so the shortest amount of time. Yeah, and there's like different subgenres. Like sometimes it means beating it within the means of the game, or sometimes <laughs> it means beating it by breaking it. Oh, okay. So, so you hack the game somehow. And sometimes it's like, yeah. what's the quickest from point A to point from from 
the opening credits to the end credits, sometimes mm-hmm. it's who can get every last thing in a game yeah, 100%. like 100% it as much as possible. So what ends up happening is you watch these guys play. And like uh, I recently watched a guy just crush Super Mario Bros. 3. He literally went through and played every level that you had to to beat Super Mario Bros. 3. He did it in like under an hour. Yeah. And he goes through and you're watching him play go, oh, that's really easy. Oh. Why are we like applauding this guy as being a master of this game? That doesn't look that hard. And then you go and you start playing and you go, oh no, actually this is fucking hard as shit. It doesn't appear to be hard on the surface, but it's actually exceptionally hard. And that's sort of what I feel like with the modern art sort of thing where like, yes, one could look at Pollock and be like, yeah, he splattered paint. But the mastery of composition and intention behind the splatter and the paint is there and it's undeniable. And maybe you don't get a visceral reaction out of it, but you can't deny that the dude was a master at what he was doing. This guy might have a pot to piss in if Gozo was like a brand new style. Right. And it was something that everybody was like flocking to. Like, oh, you got to try this like brand new thing. And it's like, you know, sh- shitty salt water. It's like, what the fuck? But it's not. It's an old style. It's been around for a while. And yeah, it's maybe being revived right now. Maybe gaining some bandwagon support. But just because you didn't like it doesn't mean that it's like the end the end of everything. Yeah, it seems like he thinks it's like like the, the emperors and we're not wearing any clothing. It's like, no, this is not a golden white dress. This is black yeah. and blue. <laughs> and uh what well, I, I almost feel like it's it's like people who are like, I really liked I really liked the Beatles when they just did bland pop rock before they actually started finding their own voice. And it's been like, yeah, you have an... They were a cover band for the longest time. I'm like, you have a valid opinion of being like, I like their poppy shit. But that doesn't mean that the people who enjoy the experimental, like, out there shit aren't equally valid at having that opinion. So there could be that people... uh, Like, I know, I the first... Goes I ever had was at fucking Boobies Brewery, and it was terrible. And that was probably the worst one to ever have. Yeah. Oh my god! But we didn't sit there and go, "Well, I don't like beer anymore. Craft beer's dead." Yeah, yeah. exactly. It wasn't like this is the. And- uh, uh, there was a time in music when this happened. That was when they they lit a piano on fire and they pushed it off a building. <laughs> at that point, they said, "Modern music is done." Yeah. <laughs> if I'm still supposed to listen to that on repeat and enjoy it on Top 40 Radio, then perhaps so we lit it on fire, we pushed it off a building, done. We recorded period, the impact, done. The period is at the end of the sentence. <laughs> I think there's two bad assumptions. One is he's assuming that because he doesn't like it and he doesn't find it accessible, that people can't genuinely like it. Right. That you could bring someone in who has a palate who is completely not, not uh, a complete novice to beer, and that might be what they actually like. Um, I always think about that if I had been growing up in the in the 1950s, that the music that I truly enjoy would not have been accessible to me then, because the music I like now probably has like oh, yeah. a thousand people that enjoy some of the bands that I really, really, really love, and obviously I would never have been exposed to that kind of um, sub 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 genre. Uh, before and there's all all manner of uh, groups of music like that music has become so fractured because it's not that there aren't great musicians anymore it's that everybody can actually find the niche that they really really truly enjoy and there might be people out there who think that Gozas are the best beers that uh, the best style of beer out there yeah and before this guy like starts like to really freak out like I mean if it was everywhere again maybe he would have a point but he doesn't because I mean it's still extremely hard to find yeah certain breweries might do it and like sell it at the brewery. But you really can't find it in a bottle shop. In fact, you and me tried desperately to find two for beer versus beer. We right. couldn't. We found one, probably the most like widely distributed one, um, which we'll have here in a little bit. But it, it, it's just it's here and there. And like you, you went into a bar, someone suggested something, you'd like you tried it, didn't like it, you got burned. Right. Get over it. And like yeah, and I mean that happens for all all manner of stuff, even popular styles. I mean there are certain beers that we've had that we've had, and they've been drain pours because they're just bad. And it doesn't matter if it's a particular style that's bad. 
Um, I mean, I know that I personally, uh, you know, um, I really love um, goozes and like old, old, like, you know, soury lambics. And I know that like my girlfriend fucking hates all of that shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm sort of like, well, that doesn't negate the fact that craft beer is dead because I generally like it. And I also don't like it because it's exotic, you know, like if that I would be happy if those beers were a dime a dozen and four dollars and nationally, uh, you know, acceptable. Um, you know, I would love to have that kind of stuff. The same way that like super hoppy IPAs, like if they were all over the place, would be wonderful. But yeah. that's not always the case. You know, that is an interesting point, though. With 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 art, though, that's different, though. Like, suppose if uh, I mean, if if everywhere I went, like, okay, name if you have a favorite song, whatever favorite song you have, and you put that on repeat, like eight times in a row, you're not gonna have the same response from that from the ninth time. Then you're not gonna like it the ninth time. You're gonna want to listen to something else. So it's, mm-hmm. it isn't something like, I mean, so, so something, the rarity of something, but or at least with music, I don't want to say rarity, but it's kind of like you can be overexposed to something. Okay. Definitely. Uh, that's true. With art. That's why I've always wondered about like Desert Island songs. Like some people like, like what would your five songs be that you yeah. take to a, a That's island? why I want something with a v- wide variety of sounds. And it's almost like, even then, like songs I absolutely love and could listen to over and over again. Like if I only had five songs, I don't know. Well, see, I think... The weird thing about the Desert Island songs is that the top five would not be what I would list as my top five favorite songs. They would be like bubblegum pop that I can hear a thousand times, enjoy, huh. maybe not love, maybe not appreciate for the artistry, but can listen to them on repeat for the rest of my life, those five songs. So I'd put like fucking Spice Girls up there, you know, as a song of like, yeah, I could listen to this scene. If you want to be my love, I could listen to that a thousand times. Doesn't mean I like the song, but I wouldn't want to <laughs> kill myself listening to it 10,000 times versus a lot of the songs I like, the weird post-rock shit that was like, if I could pick five Godspeed You Black Emperor songs and only ever listen to them, I would only probably have about five, right? Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably want to kill myself, you know? And so it's a weird, weird distinction. But that doesn't even get into this, the whole point of like, my concern is with the brewers. Like, hey Stone, we like your hoppy IPAs. Only brew hoppy IPAs. What's gonna be incredibly boring for them? Yeah. I mean, even the Alchemist, who claims in their own marketing uh, materials that they only want to focus on making quote unquote one beer, Hetty Topper, sure has guys, other beers because they don't yeah. want to only brew one beer. Yeah, being hmm. driven up a wall. Just, I mean, I'm sure he's like, hey, great, I have success, but I have to brew the same thing over and yeah. over and over. And so I think part of it is just huh. um, experimentation of the medium that, you know, there's popular styles that have survived yeah. prohibition. Um, but there's, like you said, historical styles. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great that we're looking at rock beers and, you know, other. Um, less popular beer styles and saying it was a style in the past. People enjoyed it. Will people enjoy it again? Um, and sometimes challenging your customers isn't a bad thing either. That's saying you should yeah. try it, you know, just try something different. Well. And um, there's been a lot of like Goza examples, but it's like hard to find like in a bar because a lot of breweries have been making them and make, been making them for several years now, but they don't distribute them because they understand it's a very limited market. Yeah. So they're not going to you know, take the time, the expense to try and like ship it out to people only to be like, oh, this beer is terrible. So they're just going to keep it out there at the, at the brewery. And if you want to try it and you like it, go for it. You know, they'll do a limited batch. Well, Mike, why don't you tell us about the beer that we're about to have? Well, the beer, the Goza that I was able to find um, is the Anderson Valley Blood Orange Goza. It's part of their Highway Series, Highway Session Series. Um, this is apparently Highway 128. Sounds like it's like the California version of what uh, Flying Fish was trying to do with their exit series. 
The full uh, name is Anderson Valley Highway 128, the Kimmy, the Yank, and the Holy Goza. What's the name Christ. of the beer? <laughs> That's the name of the beer. The Holy Goza? <laughs> the Kimmy, the Yank, and the Holy Goza. <laughs> All right, so copious amounts of blood orange during fermentation, which I just want to point out that uh, I was the originator of blood orange and beers <laughs> ever with my blood orange brown ale. Um, impart tangy citrus notes and a slight sweetness to complement the salinity, which is generally what the argue or the uh, the, the hate of gozas come from is that it is actually yes a salty beer. Mm-hmm. Um, the salinity and tartness uh, typically found in a goza style ale. So this is actually originally a German style ale, anywhere from like about. You know, 500, 800 years old. It's it's fairly old. Uh, it predates the Renheitsgebot, but it, it is a. Um, it's sort of like a Ber- like Berliner Weisses. That's a very you know divisive beer too. Not everybody likes those because they're extremely tart. And this sort of falls into that, but it also adds salt to the mix. And the first one we had, we all universally hated, and probably will forever ever hate. Which yeah. is the one that Boobies tried to make. Which oh, yeah. it was literally what we called the saltwater beer. Yeah, I remember that very well. Anderson Valley basically says that uh, the the style originated in the German town of Gosler um, in the 16th century, and they okay. point out that it is pronounced Goza, um, and it was traditionally brewed using salted water, not salt water, salt, salt water like from the ocean, but salted water, and 50% mar- uh, malted wheat, and was spiced with coriander and hops. It was fermented with both traditional yeast and lactic bacteria, giving it a slight tartness, similar to that of a Berliner Weiss. Um, The brewing of Goza eventually migrated to Leipzig, Germany, at the turn of the 18th century, and became the most popular style in the region by the 1900s. So, again, most popular style in the region by 1900, um, only to be virtually disappeared after World War II brought uh, destruction to the breweries in hard economic times. So this one is... um, Four point two percent ABV. So like this a, is a, only four point two. Mm-hmm. Right. So like a, a what if like if World War Two had never happened, would be like would this still be like a hugely popular style? It could be like as popular as like the other German uh, lager styles, you know. Yeah. I mean, what, what if we went back in time with like a heavy topper and went to like some German in Leipzig back in the like early nineteen hundreds, been like, here, try this, and be like, what the fuck is this? Like, this is terrible. I imagine it's so well, bitter. I imagine even now that would be a problem because if you think about all the German styles and they're all multi-forward beers, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. They're not huge on hops in any any uh, at all. So yeah, it's not as though this style doesn't have, like you said, the history. It doesn't have, it has a history of popularity. So it's not as though some guy dusted off some shit recipe somewhere <laughs> and said, "Let's try this." And then you know, it was this is a legit, a legit style from a, um, a you know a legitimate history tradition. So this is made with uh, pale tubro and malted white wheat malts. And it's made with Bravo hops, and of course, then the blood orange. So, um, it's light in color. Yep. Um, very light, like a pale yellow. Hardly any head. If there was any, it disappeared real fast. Um, kind of stinks. <laughs> like it has that. I mean, gozes. I think generally don't smell very good, but it's almost like it's like it's like a briny smell, but like a sort of like rotting kelp kind of like vegetation. <laughs> it's not a super. I mean, I can get a little bit of a maybe a. I mean, like a little bit of the blood orange. In yeah, there, you definitely, you definitely do helps. smell a little bit of the sweetness of the orange in there too. But it's mixed in with like something kind but, of rank. Yeah, the base is is not pleasant, but the taste, however, mm-hmm. um, definitely salty. Mm-hmm. But the blood orange does a great job of adding sweetness to a sour, salty beer. Um, it definitely balances it out really well. Yeah, that was probably actually a really good thing to go with oranges in general because i feel like they almost have like a metallic taste to them so they actually meld really well with that salty metallic taste that you get sometimes 
Um, yeah, again, like not great, not terrible, but it was right with the yeah. pretzels. Is it salt on salt? Salt yeah. on salt. Mm, yeah. Um, I mean, this is this. It's gonna be a a divisive style. I mean, the same thing with um, pretzel. You know, actual lam- like real lambics, not the fruity lambics. Same way with uh, gooses. Mm. You're gonna have that thing where this is a it's it's strong in a sour flavor. Um, and so it's kind of has, um, you know, that sort of edginess to it. And then it's a slightly salty. So you're going to have people who either like want to lean this way with beer or because it's so far off what I think people traditionally think of as beer that they're going to be like, what the fuck? Where are the hops? Yeah. Where's that? You know, I want that, that piney chewiness. It's like, well, no, that's there. And then intentionally. So none of that is there. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend to sit here and like, oh, I absolutely love this beer. I really don't. I'm not really a fan of the style either. Mm. Um, this one I really enjoy. I've had one or two that I actually really enjoy. This is one of them. Um, I've had a couple that I didn't. Um, but I can say that pretty much about, obviously, any style. Like, I just yeah. had a old old Brun, which I absolutely love. We've had god-awful IPAs. Mm, absolutely. I've had drain pours of those. So, yeah. But this, actually, this I think I have on Untapped have rated this four stars before, and I would stand oh. by that rating. Um, but most I would put around the three-star range and then a couple a little lower. But I certainly don't think it's any better or worse than any other style. And I can see how people would love it, unlike Joe. <laughs> yeah, I could definitely see how people would like it. I probably personally would put it around the two mark, but I'm not going to sit here and write a you know witty article about how much I hate it. Definitely. The Blood Orange definitely elevates it for sure. It's a good yeah, combination. exactly. Yeah, I've ordered this before and had two glasses in a row. I don't think I would have two glasses of this in a row. I think it, it goes, it's, it's so, it, I don't know, that's sour. It's just so intense. It's like one, that's all I need. Yeah. That, well, yeah. I mean, there's even like an upper limit to my love of Sour Patch Kids where it's like at a certain point I've had too much sour. Yeah. <laughs> I need to just cut it out for the night. But uh, yeah, about two would be my limit. Sort of like in this like a cultural experience. Like if I went to Germany and never had like this style before and they like handed me a, a, a local brew and this is what it was, it'd be like, all right. I mean, definitely it's sort of like expands my parameters as far as what beer goes oh, I think makes, when, I was in Germ- when I was in Germany and I was so novice to everything it didn't I don't I don't know what they gave me <laughs> <laughs> in fact one time I was I was ordering food and I was uh, I didn't ha- I, I uh, was just given a prescription for contacts but I didn't have glasses yet mm. and I couldn't put the contacts in for whatever so I was virtually blind and I was picking blind I was like I'll take whatever that is and I saw whatever weird massive nice. things are so I have no idea what I ordered food-wise or drink-wise. I just know that I was about to put it in my mouth, and someone says, is that... I hope that's better than it looks. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, if I had this for the first time, I would be a little worried that maybe somebody pissed in it just yeah. to like mess with me, but other than that, not too bad. Have faith in your crappier brewers. Have faith. Yeah. Thank actually, you. like... Um, the pretzels, I think, go well. Actually, I think it would actually be... The, the style would probably be best demonstrated with a pairing. I think if you had, like... Yeah. Uh, like maybe like a hearty steak in line with this um, would probably help uh, balance the sourness a little bit with something meaty and, and also strong in flavor. And then you can sort of balance back and forth with it. I think it, maybe even like a, a, a fish. I was going to say like a, a fish, a fish actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Mm. The, the pretzels work with it too, although it's kind of like salt on salt. So yeah, it's it a, little, yeah. a little intense. Maybe but I just don't need enough salt in my life that yeah. I'm just craving it. Well, let's leave Gozer the Gozerianal behind for a bit and move on to beer versus beer imperial edition beer versus beer 
Bob select the finest beer to pit in single combat for champion beer. Two beers enter, one beer leaves. So it has been a long, cold winter, and sometimes when you go to grab a beer, you don't want some light lager to make you forget your the unreasonable clients, inane bosses, and irrational customers that pepper your day like the Duchess's soup from Alice in Wonderland. No, you want that insane full-body taste. You want that style kicked up to 11. And thus, for this week's Beer versus Beer, we went with the maximum. We went with Imperial Beers. So Imperial Beer usually otherwise replaced with uh, Double um, so this is pretty much any style that, uh, you know, claims to have a double. So you have your Imperial Russian Stouts, you have your Imperial IPAs, you have your Imperial Pale Ales, your Imperial Lagers these days. They'll imperialize the crap out of anything. So uh, apparently nobody wants to be on the Rebels team anymore. They want to all go with the Empire. So That's what's right. an Imperial Lager? <laughs> so like Imperial Pilsner. Well, Talkish <laughs> did an Imperial Pilsner. It didn't really, I mean, it was kind of like a Pilsner that... Was a little bit more flavorful, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I guess technically they're just arguing that it's like twice the flavor profile, so it's just like really lagery or really pilsnery. <laughs> um, Do you sing the Imperial March in your head every time you? I told you I did that for a wedding, right? That was really? the bride's march. Holy shit! Yeah. No, I didn't know that. <laughs> she wanted that for her bride. She was walking down the aisle. It's the Darth Vader's theme. Like <laughs> she I'm like, wanted her husband to know that he'd get yeah, forced exactly, to yeah. if he <laughs> fucked up and couldn't yeah, find yeah, the rebels. Yeah, it's like it starts on a yeah. She was walking down the aisle to that. That was awesome. That was one of my favorite weddings. Yes, Suji and Rich, if you are listening right now. That was awesome, yeah, and I've been telling cool. the story like of your wedding for the last, I don't know, however many years. So, so sorry, um, <laughs> when she said, I do, did he say, I know? <laughs> <laughs> Does that count? <laughs> <laughs> bada bing, bada boom. Uh, <laughs> no, you just stood like that in the car- carbonite froze. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Glaring loophole, he goes down, his hands cuffed beneath him, but then somehow is frozen with his hands uncuffed. Oh, yeah, well, I never that. Yeah. Well, the carbonite does that to you, right? Well, yeah. yeah, it immediately puts your hands up and breaks your bonds. Yeah, no problem. It's cold, no problem. Man. Anyway, uh, I guess I'll go first, if Mike does not mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, my beer is Southern Tears Chocolate, um, Imperial Chocolate Stout. Does that mean there's a lot of chocolate in it? It's a stout brewed with chocolate. And so it's actually yeah, spelled C H O K L A T, but it does say that it's brewed with chocolate and is it, actual chocolate. Is that fake chocolate? Okay. No, it actually <laughs> says it's spelled properly. So, pardon me. So they just why the name? Sorry, why did the name change? Not I'm bothered by that. Um, so, chocolate uh, is apparently uh, the Mayan spelling for chocolate. Uh. The agents called it the food for the gods. So the Popol Vuh, the sacred book of the Mayan. Unfold a complex web of mystery around a beverage known as, I'm not even going to pretend to pronounce that, at Southern Tier, we're not surprised that hieroglyphics of the ancient Maya depict chocolate being poured for rulers and gods. Even though the many voyages of Columbus, the mystical bean remained nothing more than a strange currency of the native people. Moving through centuries, the circular journey of cacao has been realized in our brew house, encompassing the complexity of the darkest bittersweet candy together with the original frothy cold beverage of the ancient Maya to bring you 
our Blackwater Series Chocolate Stout. We have combined the finest ingredients to tempt your senses and renew the power and interrelation of history in every bottle. So it argues that it particularly tasty with mint truffles, which sounds ridiculous, mascarpone cheese, cannoli, uh, angel food cake, enjoy alone, or as a float with a scoop of organic, organic vanilla bean ice cream. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, how about some stats on how alcoholic it is? Oh, there we go. So it's a an imperial stout brewed with chocolate. It's been brewed since 2008. It is 10% ABV, so get prepared to get drunk. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's very, very chocolatey. I'm excited. Yep. Now I got a big old bottle of it, so we're gonna drink it. Cool. As soon as I find an opener. Uh, my keys are around here somewhere. Bueller. Bueller. <laughs> there they are. <laughs> Thank you, Jesse. So I figured when I actually pick this up, I've had it in my fridge for a while. Okay. Compulsively drink or eat them. Well, you know what pairs well with pretzels? Chocolate. <laughs> oh, yeah. And salsa. <laughs> <laughs> Never uh, gets old. Mike, you got an empty glass like yep. for you? <clears throat> this one's for me. Yep. Chugga, 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 oh, yeah. chugga, chugga. It's probably got the best chocolate. Like it's it's well, it's more than a chocolate smell. It's like a cocoa smell. Um, I know I've probably oh. pronounced that at least three or four times that this is the best smell ever. But I was just to yell at you for being crazy that it's actually very orangey until I realized I had not poured myself any and was finishing off the last. All I taste is orange, man. What are you talking <laughs> about? Chocolate the dress isn't isn't dark brown. It's that, that light orange. What are you talking? I was about? finishing it off last so I could pour myself something. <laughs> there we go. Now yeah. we're talking chocolate. Yeah. It yeah, smells like oh, that does smell it smells chocolate. like uncooked brownies. It, yeah. Oh my god! It smells. It's like milk chocolate more than dark chocolate, doesn't it? Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, definitely sort of lactose. Yeah, it's, it's more of a it's milk chocolate feel. There's a little bit of a Ooh. burn to it, more than I'd care for. So it's sort of like a, like not like a peppery spice, but sort of like a kick to it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like if someone put like cinnamon in chocolate or something. Yeah, yeah. There's a nice it's, bitterness it's, it's there. It's good though. There's a sort of a almost like a woody flavor, like it was aged and. Barrels a little bit hmm. on the mm, end. Little, little. Uh, definitely chocolatey. Mm. Yeah, so it's not like chocolate milk, which I did see the other day. Um, there apparently is a product called Adult Chocolate Milk, which mm. you can get at the uh, local wine and spirit store. Oh, I sure. haven't braved. I'm worried that it would ruin both alcohol and chocolate milk for me. And since <laughs> I love both of those things, that's a dangerous gambit. But I don't um, know. I had that party at my house where I had um, it was it was chocolate milkshake with it was like made with from Kahlua. I was gonna say like, Kahlua I think I, I think I even had Frange- yeah, Frangelica Kahlua. Mm-hmm. I think I had vodka then too. Speaking my language, and it was awesome. That, that's right. It was it was um, tacos, milkshakes, and ghost hunting. Ah. Were you, were you there for that? No. <laughs> Your girlfriend was though. <laughs> Emily was there for sure. No Actually, kidding. she was. She was the. She it was her and Julia. It's a great burn, by the way. It was just. <laughs> Were you there? No, your girlfriend that was. Before your time, actually, because I don't remember that party. No, it was, uh, she was in town and Julia was there, and then they're like, oh, and then everyone came. They were like, suddenly, like, instantaneously, like, oh, it's like, our friends are like that sometimes. Like, you, like, at least before, they were like, a couple years ago, they were more of like, now they're in there planning things, but now they are, before, they were like, they were very. Someone like, hey, something's happening right now, and they're like, oh, let's all get on that. Yeah. No, the, the problem, it wasn't that. It wasn't as though they were just sort of like spontaneity ones. It was like, 
what's going on tonight? Well, I'm not going to confirm I'm doing anything because something better might. There was always yeah. like the fear of losing out. And this was, <laughs> for whatever reason, this was it. Like tacos, milkshakes, Follow. and ghost hunting. <laughs> and it was it. Like I had like 40 people there within a half an hour. And that's, that's, I mean, I remember throwing the first couple of my house parties and it was sort of like, all right, party starts at 7.30, guys. And then at like <laughs> 9.15, I'm like, okay, there's like four people in me. Yeah, exactly. All right. And then by 10.30, you're about to close it down. Back. By 10.30, it's done. And you're, it's you're like, like packed. closed out. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's like, yep, we've had six beers between the four of us. And then suddenly like the keg is gone by 11.30 and you're like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> um, but yes, that that's I understand exactly the fear of losing out, FOLO, um, which is a Broad City reference. What is FOLO? Fear of losing out. Oh. Or uh, fear of missing out. Yeah, I guess. No, FOMO. It, the actual thing is fear of missing out. That's yeah. why I laugh so hard because you've coined a new term, fear of losing out. <laughs> FOLO. FOMO. I'm going to say that from FOMO. now on. Fear of missing out. People yeah. are like, yeah. Oh, wow. That's when like you're at a party and you but you know there's another party going on and you're like well this party's really great but is the other party better am I gonna end up or or like clearly the party's winding down but if I leave now is there suddenly gonna be like a wild card that comes in and which is it, which has happened it's always the wild I've card I've been at like Johnson's house at, like are you talking about like Oya or <laughs> no, no I'm talking about like no and, and you'll, you'll appreciate this I remember uh, staying after like a crazy night the night before staying at Johnson's house to like two thirty and being like literally incomprehensibly exhausted and I was like dude like we're out I, we cannot stay any like we're both just dragging and then and Matt the next day was like dude 10 minutes after you left the Spice Girls show up no Jimmy <laughs> showed up and Jimmy they was blew just everybody. like what? Yeah, exactly like it's, there's always something that one makes you oh like God. paranoid to ever that, leave the that, party that's, a, that's an old David Tell joke <laughs> it, is, it really is yeah. <laughs> it's like no, you should have hung out man 10 minutes after you left the Spice Girls broken and fucked everybody <laughs> yeah <laughs> Even the kid in the Babylon 5 t-shirt got a hand job. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that is the joke I was referencing. I, yes, I'm not sure you. that that would have the same potency today. As it, as it but probably no, it's did true, though. It is true at Johnson's parties or yeah, any of these parties. This happens. Yeah. Like, well, I don't, I don't want to leave right yet, but... Is, are, are you they left and then out? Nick started gargling paint. <laughs> uh, remember getting hoses off in the backyard. Man, that was cold. <laughs> I'm a maniac, maniac on the floor. I just remember being very hungover, cleaning the entire room the next morning. Sons of bitches. <laughs> Cursing all our names as you mop I was like, Ray, why is your paint four times thicker than anyone else's? Did you just sit here drawing a circle with oh, layer and layer right. of paint over and over and over again? That was a good party. That was a great party. A great party. It really was. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm not. <laughs> No, Emily, Emily helped clean up, so it was fine. It was well worth the effort, and the uh, oh, I remember walking thing. home then with Shelly, and we were like covered in paint, as you can imagine. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> it looked like like Woodstock '94, like they're covered in mud and it's all caked on. And I remember we're, it was raining then too, so mm. it's like, and we're not walking quickly. We don't care. We're so drunk and we're covered in paint. And I remember there was people out by like whatever building, and we're like, we're we look whatever, and we're like, hi, how are you? And, you know, like we were talking, having like a conversation, but not not having a conversation. We were like trying to be just like the niceties of like, hi, it's good to see you, very nice. I hope hope you enjoy this raining weather. It's like two thirty in the morning, and don't people ask like, the paint. Don't ask about the paint. Don't ask and people are paint. like trying to get into their home, and they're like, don't talk to those weirdos. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. 
that was fun. I have a beer I've never tried before. Uh, I don't think anybody has here. So uh, I think what, I think it was just maybe the last show, last full show we did. I mentioned about South County uh, Brewing Company was starting to bottle their own beer. Mm-hmm. They're the brewing company from the s- southern part of York. Uh, and I guess it's the South County portion. Yeah, you're already behind here. Yeah. <laughs> York, <laughs> really? Yeah, uh, yeah, The no. Jersey of York? Pennsylvania? <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, exactly. I wish you get more beer from Jersey so that Jesse would be like, well, Jersey's like the Jersey of Jersey. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Jersey of the Jersey of Jersey. Um, <laughs> uphill battle. Excellent. Yeah, so it's from the... Uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, and Well, I just got excited because I was at the fridge and I saw it in the bottle and I was like, oh, I was just mentioning how they were bottling and I haven't seen it before, but here it is. So this is the... Um, and excuse the name, Black Cowgirl. It is a black double IPA. So I'm not, I, I guess it's because it's the southern part of York that they went with. Like, I feel like s- slightly sort of just, you know, on PC name, Black Cowgirl. Uh, I'm sure there's like a, a story behind it, but. We're north of the Mason Dixon. I feel like even I just, though if you want to try to be all the South will rise again in PA, you just, you just can't do it. It just comes out bad. Yeah. We, we fought for the north. I'm yeah, sorry. I mean, I just, I don't. I just kind of wonder where that name came from. There's really nothing printed on the uh, bottle that gives any sort of information. So it's like, okay. Well, they I imagine they it. wanted to go with cowboy or cowgirl, and then it's a black, black IPA. Cow, black, so. Yeah, it's a black cowgirl. So, yeah, I mean, there is a uh, illustration. It's very pretty. Uh, it's actually lo- it looks more like a nautical theme. I don't know if you can. Have I discussed my theory about how every department, every company needs like an Omar? Omar. Yes. So Omar Gooding. No, just an Omar, uh, and th- the name isn't actually accurate, but it's not really my theory. It's actually a, a podcast I used to listen to years ago. But they always talked about how every major company in America needs to have someone on staff named Omar, okay. and his only role is to is to have management be like, "Yo, Omar." Is this racist? Yeah. And then he can go, yeah, that's racist. Don't do it. So the, the quintessential... Anytime you ask that question, the answer is yes. Well, no. So, so Disney and Dipping Dots paired up. And I I think I've told the story before. Oh God, um, that's a terrible combination. So Disney wanted to have Disney princesses themed Dippin' Dots. And so they went through and they gave every Disney princess a flavor of Dippin' Dots. So Princess and the Frog has the first African-American mm-hmm. princess. So guess what color Dippin' Dots they gave her? Watermelon. Oh, oh, flavor. Sorry. Yeah, flavor. So, <laughs> watermelon. Are you Dippin racist, dots. Mike? Is that <laughs> like- <laughs> Attached to the Princess and the I'm Frog Princess. Beer here. I'm not paying attention. <laughs> so, um, so the the joke was that like Disney and or Dippin' Dots needed to have um, needed needed to have uh, an Omar where they came in and been like, Yo, Omar, we're giving the Princess and the Frog watermelon flavor. Is that racist? And he'd be like, Yo, that is seriously racist. And then they could be like, Oh, we'll give her vanilla. It's fine. And I feel then like nobody would need that. Yeah, for sure. Because so what's wrong with watermelon? Well, you know, the black people love watermelon. That's the thing. Is you know, like, yeah, like that, fried chicken, grape soda, fried, and great, watermelon. Yeah, like, right. those that sounds just, racist on you there for assuming they like wa- watermelon fried well, no, chicken. I'm not saying no, that's that a common black stereotype. But that's I mean, a that's that's stereotype. Well, no, yeah. And so, like, and I was, I, I don't see stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I said about the dress. I said I don't see much like Stephen Colbert. I don't see yeah. color, so it's. Uh, but no, it's totally legitimate that like somebody probably should have said, "Ooh, black cowgirl does not sound like a good name for a beer." You know, like you just need somebody to have that like sanity check because I truly believe that neither Dippin' Dots nor Disney are racist. I think that they went through and they gave all the princesses flavors and it just happened that they stumbled into that bad combination. But the backlash of that combination is pretty bad for yeah. them. So, you know, I feel like you just well, need somebody to be like overly PC on your staff to be like, there you go. That's yeah. a bad idea. Yeah, you switch it up. So what was the what was the princess that liked watermelon was again? Uh, the one from the Princess and the Frog, the Louisiana one. And, and she was... 
Well, not pardon me. She, but she was African American. The oh, only yeah. African American princess that Disney has is um, is the one that got the watermelon. You, know, I, I don't get it at all. Well, I, mean, see, I like watermelon. That's good. Oh, I, dude, no, I like watermelon. Are you kidding me? Cornbread, fried chicken, <laughs> grape soda, and watermelon are like my four top favorite flavors. I used to joke about that in high school. Where like I should have been born black because I love all of those things. Like last movie, you're going. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, and I don't think that. But that's the thing. Is like, yes, everybody, like, a lot, most people love. I like fried chicken. Who doesn't like fried chicken? Do you like? Do you not like? Fried everybody chicken? likes. Fried do you like chicken. fried chicken? Of course. Okay, so. But it's really bad when you go to celebrate. Like, for example, there was recently a university that was celebrating Black History Month, which mm-hmm. is February, and in order to do that, they changed their menu, mm-hmm. and their Black History menu was. Fried chicken, cornbread, and grape soda. And that's racist. Like, that is undeniably like, oh, we're going to do something nice for black people. Give them the foods that they stereotypically like. Like, Mm -hmm. that just doesn't seem kosher. I think it's not racist to be like, I like the things that are stereotypically whatever. Like, I enjoy Asian food. I enjoy Indian food. I enjoy soul food. Like, I enjoy all manners of food. Mm -hmm. I think it's very, very racist to say we are generalizing a group of people to only liking these foods when you know any group of people can like any number of foods can i say that when i was hanging out with flavor flavor of public enemy and i was having him sign my clock he gave me a piece of fried chicken and i ate a piece of fried chicken with flavor flavor and i didn't see that as being racist no no not at all did he? Where did he get this fried chicken from? It was Kentucky Fried Chicken, oh, okay. KFC. He oh, was KFC. on his ride. I didn't know if he just like so pulled it out of his pocket here. No, no, no. It was. It was. Like, in, no, that's very racist of you, Mike. But no. It was, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, no, it was on his rider that he had a, a bucket of KFC, and it was there. And I'm not. This isn't racist. It was there. This is what it was. It was. Um, and it was delicious. And I went up there, and I was like, hey. Um, I have my kitchen clock here. Will you autograph my kitchen clock? <laughs> I don't know if that's racist, but whatever. I had him autograph my kitchen clock, and um, it's signed. And that's and awesome. and then he's like, and then he's like, you're gonna make my mic sound really good tonight. I'm like, yes, I am. <laughs> and he put his arm around me, and he gave me a piece of chicken, and I ate it. And even friends, best, best friends forever. Well, I don't know, but. <laughs> So called me since then. Getting but. to the beer. <laughs> since, yeah. Clearly, we've had a couple of strong beers this evening. Um, I gotta say that the smell of that's racist. It's infectious. <laughs> what? <laughs> that's craft beerist. Is maybe maybe I would go that route. But uh, now this smells like fruity pebbles. God damn it! This is a very very good smelling beer. Uh, I won't say best ever. Actually, ooh, I like the fruity pebbles reference. It's quite accurate. It's like I very love that very smell. deep dark chocolatey fruity pebbles. Um, like if you mix uh, cocoa pebbles and fruity pebbles together, this is what you'd get. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. The flavor is very good. So it's very dark in color. Has very um, like an IPA's head, yeah. which is since it is a black IPA, I keep expecting it to be more st- um, stout esque. But it's definitely mm-hmm. there's no real burnt notes at all. Um, it's just dark in it, color. It is kind of light in body. I'm gonna sink my own ship. I'm gonna gonna uh, say I'm really disappointed, especially after the smell. I was really expecting some good things. I was expecting kind of that uh, thick, hearty stout, kind of like what your beer was. Uh, but it is, it is very like um, me- medium bodied. It is more hoppy, and the, the darker notes. I don't know. The, just it brings hollow for me. I actually enjoy this. I think it would have been a superior beer if they hadn't gone hoppy with it. Yeah. I feel like if you just brought out the bittering hops and you just left it as maybe like even a pale ale hmm. or if you went the direction of like a lager or a Bach or something. Um, I like I like the initial flavor on the tongue. It is a little lighter um, than maybe I would love, 
but again, they're aiming for an IPA that's just dark. But what I really enjoy about it is the initial flavor. And then the hoppy bitterness comes in on the back end and just totally wrecks what they create on the on the, on the initial impact. It it does. I'm, you're right. Normally, I like I like a good hoppy signature, but it really sort of just like tears down that nice, smooth, buttery chocolate wall that they put up. I feel like they have a brilliant recipe. It's just that they're putting it into a weird style yeah, that need, doesn't need yeah, to be. Exactly. But again, it's not up to us. Jesse may disagree because he doesn't see color. <laughs> no, I do, and the chocolate wins. All right, um, uh, that was uh, I, I. I agree that the the first sip is really good, but then there's just the bitterness that just mm-hmm. really sticks around. And then just to compare, I took a sip of the chocolate, and holy shit, enough mm-hmm. chocolate! Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Take another chocolate swig of this. Nice. Um, but I think it's oh interesting that uh, what is it? South County went with. Um, I mean, they're going with something extremely different. Yeah. I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was as bad as you were making it to seem. I mean, I think the I think the the bitterness of Mike's beer was like that that end that aftertaste was weird. Like the first initial taste was really good, but I don't think it was that bad. I think I still think this is a very good beer. Yeah, I agree. Cool. Well, maybe we should uh, venture down to South County sometime. I yes, the South County. I'd also enjoy uh, visiting. Wait, if crossing we, the Susquehanna. If, if we dare, yeah. You want us to cross into Jersey? I feel like we should do that yeah, and exactly. and Windridge Cidery oh, yeah. slash. Now I mean they have an IPA now, so they're actually doing real beer too. Yeah. So that might also be a good trip. Pretzel. Yeah. Do we record at Liquid Hero? We have not ever recorded at uh, Liquid okay. Hero. We only went there with the Lancaster Craft Beer That's... Enthusiasts Club. Uh, do we? Oh right. Mm. Yes. Predates, we almost, it predates the podcast. Yeah. It does. It was the impetus for the podcast. All I remember is that Simpsons game, and I love that game. <laughs> I remember I enjoyed I enjoyed their beer, but they had like a their version of a half and half. It was like their raspberry and like their oh, wheat yeah. beer, and it yeah, was not a good combination mm-hmm. for me. But yeah. um, it's a cool location, so yeah. Love to give them another shot. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm gonna chalk that up to I feel like the first victory in a while. So um, I need to go through for our um, actual end of season two statistics and make sure that um, I'm not getting trounced too hard by Mike. I think you want a couple. <laughs> yeah, Mike was going on a streak there for a while. I mean, and it, we've never really two been up like, yeah, like we've never really had like a, one of us five wins in one direction or no, not. So it's been care. actually pretty good that uh, it, it wavers back and forth. Um, so neither of us get suicidal about it. <laughs> oh. you, know, you never want to feel like you are totally and forever inferior choosing beers for beer versus beer. <laughs> so it's good that it goes back and forth, streaks one way or the other. It's a nice balance. But anyway, well, realize though, if one of you do kill yourselves, that we will have to have your respective significant other on to take your place. This is Ooh. true. This is true. Well, yes. So, um, though, oh, that's it yeah. for today's show. Uh, we thank you for listening to our uh, wide range of ramblings as we try to stay warm with the oh. various. Various strong, good, and bad beers that we had on this episode. However, right before we began recording, all of us ended up discovering the very terrible news that Leonard Nimoy, a.k.a. the greatest science fiction character of all time, Spock, slash Richard Bell from Fringe, for Fringe fans out there, um, passed away today uh, after a, uh, a long and lengthy disease that I guess he got from smoking. Um, so he had some very touching final tweets because he was very active on Twitter. Um, what were his final tweets? But his, but he died. Um, and so we thought we would take a moment to um, read some of his fine, fine poetry. So, Mike, right. if you have something that you would enjoy reading. Yeah, I'll throw it out there. All right. So 
Only on a beach where the timeless, never-ending surge of water changes the face of the earth again and again, each minute of the day, night, and always. Where the children and the aged come together to chase a wave, the surf of a dream. Where the tide shifts constantly, teaching me that today is only today. And whatever I have, good or bad, much or little, must change or I, it will rot and die. You have and forever shall be our friend, Leonard Nimoy. Amen. Amen. I'm actually trying to find. Everyone's been tweeting at him since his passing. Barack Obama. Huh? Long before being nerdy was cool, there was Leonard Nimoy <laughs> from President Obama. Um, Patrick Stewart said, It is with sadness that I heard of Leonard Nimoy's death. I was lucky to spend many happy, inspiring hours with him. He won't be forgotten. Elijah Wood said, Live long and prosper. So long, Mr. Nimoy. Uh, let's see. Who else is, is touching things? I do recall, but it's been a while. Did... Um Oh, where was I thought I saw Zachary Quinto in there. Oh, yeah. How about Kirk? Did you respond? <laughs> Kirk was like, fuck that guy. <laughs> yeah, right, right. All right, Zachary Quinto said, My heart is broken. I love you profoundly, my dear friend, and I will miss you every day. And then he posted a uh, Instagram photo, I believe, of the two of them together. Oh no, it's just a very pretty picture of Leonard Nimoy. I have to say that um I was always a fan of Spock. Um the original series has not always been um my favorite of the Star Treks, uh, although I do enjoy it quite a bit, but I thought um, his portrayal of Richard Bell in the in Fringe was so um, fatherly or, or grandfatherly positive um, towards Olivia, the uh, the main character, and it was such a sweet role that he played. And I know that he actually um, did some of the sh uh, the the recordings between uh, being ill, so it was it was nice that he could be so upbeat and wonderful of a human being. Well. While doing that, it was very sweet. And so um, Jesse asked what some of his final tweets were. Um, so his final tweet as himself was, A life is like a garden. Perfect moments can be had, but not preserved, except in memory. Live long and prosper. Garden. He makes lots of references to gardens mm -hmm. and poetry. While you, while you read the next one, let me uh, find one of those. William Shatner said, I loved him like a brother. We will all miss his humor, his talent, and his capacity to love. Oh. And the second to last tweet was, I will be sharing my poetry. Today's is, You and I Have Learned, which is in my book, Those Words Are For You, which the poem is, You and I have learned the song of love, and we sing it well. The song is ageless, passed on, heart to heart by those who have seen what we see and known what we known, and lovers who have sung before, our love is ours to have and to share. The miracle is this, the more we share, the more we have. Yeah. That's, Leonard Nimoy. Yeah, that's in this poetry. Rocket ships are exciting, but so are roses on a birthday. Computers are exciting, but so is a sunset. And logic will never replace love. Sometimes I wonder where I belong in the future or in the past. I guess I'm just an old-fashioned spaceman. Well, so we lost a, a, a non-craft beer related, but also a huge man today. So with that, we'd like to say thanks for listening. And of course, keep on drinking, live long, and prosper. Oh, I know, I'm really sad. I am too. <laughs> because I, I have known despair, I value hope.
Because I tasted frustration, I value fulfillment. Because I have been lonely, I value love. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do a reading yet. Oh, you want to I love how this really touching one about love and sharing, and then you're like, rocket ships are cool. <laughs> This one's called Love. From me to you. Mm. My beauty, take my hand. I'm so proud of you. The way people love you, the strength you offer to those in need. I am an incurable romantic. I believe in hope, dreams, and decency. I believe in love, tenderness, and kindness. I believe in mankind. I believe in goodness, mercy, and charity. I believe in a universal spirit. I believe in casting bread upon the waters. I am awed by the snow-capped mountains, by the vastness of the oceans. I am moved by a couple of any age holding hands as they walk through city streets. A living creature in pain makes me shudder with sorrow. A seagull's cry fills me with a sense of mystery. A river or stream can move me to tears. A lake nestling in a valley can bring me peace. I wish for all mankind the sweet, simple joy that we have found together. I know that it will be, and we shall celebrate, we shall taste the wine and the fruit. Celebrate the sunset and the sunrise, the cold and the warm, the sounds and the silences, the voices of the children. Celebrate the dreams and hopes which have filled the souls of all decent men and women. We shall lift our glasses and toast with tears of joy. 